Mm, so today we've been uh, looking at the wisdom aspects, some of the wisdom aspects associated with mindfulness. Yesterday we were looking more at the uh, uh, chitta aspects, that is that which deal with stabilizing energy. And naturally these things are not entirely separate, you have to be quite require some wisdom in order to know how to stabilize so you're not just uh, trying to freeze everything rigid uh, there's a sense of a collectedness a composure a gathering in and careful settling mm. and today the Wisdom aspects of wise, ref- wise attention and sampajanya, full awareness, dhamma investigation, analysis, states. So, fine tuning, fine tuning how we manage, how we operate, how we cultivate and we steer this rolling ball of mind Mm. this is mobile, fluid, dynamic it's often the case that people, because we come into Buddha's teachings a lot of us come into the Buddha's teachings through meditation then we have the, the model sitting still this is, you know, this is the Buddha. This is the this is Buddhism sitting still, or walking up and down, a kind of solitary practice. A lot of it done in stillness, sustained, st- motionless, uh, and uh, you know. And then we're looking for calm and steadiness and stillness, and we come in with that, which is natural enough, and s- sometimes it even works. <laughs> Mostly, we recognize that sitting still doesn't make things still. <laughs> yeah. Kind of pressures and struggles and irregular energy, you know. And so actually, even the sitting still bit of meditation, if you're going to cultivate it, requires quite a lot of skillful activities. And it may be best to even just uh, kind of refresh the whole model a Dhamma practice by you know going back to uh, living just ordinary living so the Buddha meditation is part of that cultivation of Samadhi is part of that but if you look in the in the the maps of the path this is rather late actually starts with right view uh, right attitudes Sankapa right speech, verbalization, how we form words, how we articulate, how we bring thoughts across, what thoughts we decide are skillful, how to apply them, when to apply them. Mm. Uh, right, uh, bodily actions, how we moderate our bodily actions using this bodily form in activity, what 
activities we refrain from, what activities we make much of. Mm. And then write uh, livelihood, how we interact with others. It's much more, I mean, with bodily action it's the same, but livelihood really putting that on the the agenda. Big topic. Right livelihood, as far as I can understand it, is not about sitting still. Unless you're a kind of maybe standing still if you're a guardsman. (laughs) 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 But as far as I can see, the model of sitting still doesn't work for right livelihood. Then um, my effort, just the sense of what we've learned from these other factors, what we've learned of seeing uh, where we get lost, where we get strung out, where we commit deeds that later we regret, say things that later we regret, or don't say things that we feel we should, should have said and feel regret don't make things clear, not able to make things clear, are hindered by our fears and anxieties uh, to express ourselves clearly. I think all this really is the, you know, is the foundation, and often a foundation that isn't thoroughly explored or explained, partly because when we come here, we're doing the sitting still bit. <laughs> There's quite a lot to explain in that, but... Uh, you know, where's the rest of it? Where's the other factors where you you really get a sense of you know acting, working out, seeing you know, how skillful, unskillful actions, how they affect you, how you generate a, a skillful environment, friends, associates, uh, actions, livelihood, which is uh, you know gets you what you need but is ideally wholesome. I think this is a big topic for people because uh, even though livelihood may not involve selling drugs or uh, assassination, um, still livelihood for many people is, is deeply stressful, jarring to their body energies, uh, not necessarily in line with their aspirations. Mm. But we can look at livelihood also in a broader sense, is what really keeps us alive, what keeps not just the material resources, where is food for the heart? Where do we get the sense of feeling uh, uh, alive, potent, able to create, uh, to bring something good, bring something forth in ourselves, so that we are entering a shared context, with our particular piece that we can put into that and and feel that was beneficial, that was good. It took some work, it was a bit of a struggle, hard work, but I did that and it was good. We get the sense of when, uh, you know, things that sometimes we have to, working hard, getting getting a result we feel good about. Mm. So all this is in, in line, all this establishment of strengthening energies, feeling uh, the the good results of what we've been doing. Mm. 
getting the, the feedback from it. And this we exercise uh, the mind in, in many ways. The ability to introspect, to consider, to reflect. Mm. Ability to have an aim. Something we want to say or do. Sustain the aim, being mindful of that aim, bearing it in mind, staying with it, bearing in mind uh, sensitivity, cause and effect, that what we do we're going to reap the results of, how it's going to affect others, bearing these things in mind. This is daily life mindfulness, what we bear in mind, cause and effect, our welfare, the welfare of others, how we're connected uh, to, the, to each other, to the society, to our, our deeds, to our parents, to our children, to our spouses, and so on. Mm. So kind of and what does that, you know, when you look at that, what does that kind of uh, bring up? Sense of uh, gratitude, sense of uh, empathy, fellow feeling, mm. the ability to uh, handle complexities where you put one thing to one side, you bear several things in mind, you see the main thing you want to do. Um, having something, an aspiration, you know, something that lifts your heart. Well, you know, this is going to take a bit of work, but it's worthwhile doing. So you get this sense of the aspiration energy lifting, lifting you, giving you that. And the ability to enjoy enjoy each other's company, feel comforted, feel uh, happy. And in it, there's no getting over it. There's no, mis- you know, the, the, a lot of uh, what the Buddha is encouraging us to do as a requirement is definitely about enjoying yourself. Is <laughs> uh, the example of one of the teachings he gave to a business businessman saying well you know when you work hard make sure you put some of some of what you've earned through your sweat of your brow put it aside so you look after yourself so you feel good you've got and look after your your friends your partner your relatives your children so you can enjoy the fruits of your labor Uh, so it's it's good you know pretty pragmatic Enjoy the results of good deeds. Take it in. Receive it. And it's important to just to, to recognize these, uh, this, this fundamental ground of cause and effect and receiving the good causes so that one def- one's mind, one's heart, one's body one's, is looked after, cared for. Mm. Nothing really goes beyond that. Uh, stays it always stays within that frame of reference uh, being an our hunt feels good <laughs> getting in line is a is a good thing to do it makes you feel good you're able to manage all kinds of things you couldn't manage before uh, you feel unbowed undefeated uh, confident assured you can dwell in the pleasure of absorptions and uh, you have that, that sense. It's it's definitely a profitable <laughs> experience. 
So we have to be cautious of applying uh, some strange views, outlooks that were maybe developed, we may have developed or inherited some sense of um, obligation, duty, uh, and also always like a fear of enjoyment is somehow uh, a bit selfish or naughty, um, which sometimes it is, of course, uh, selfish and naughty. <laughs> but the Buddha's giving us some, some enjoyment that's not naughty and, and, and uh, is about, uh, is not selfish. It's, it's to oneself as to others, sense of really cherishing oneself and realizing other people are part of one's domain and it's good to have friends and you want to make them good, feel good too. It's lovely to share what you have, that sense of generosity and compassion. So you kind of enter a shared field of, of, of happiness and enjoyment. These are very fundamental um, practices. So this we, we develop the, the mental or the psychological capacity to to uh, to reflect, to introspect, to pause, to hesitate, to, to contemplate, to give things consideration, to abstract. In other words, to whole series of experiences, we can sum it up and abstract it. We can say, oh, that was that. We can hold it in mind. We can bear it in mind. Mm. Uh, we can bear in mind, well, that last year was doing that, and we the results of that are like that. And you can take an abstract of that and bear it in mind, learn from it. Mm. We learn the capacity we have to uh, exert ourselves even if it's a struggle. Yeah. We're born in a struggle. Getting born itself is a struggle. Giving birth is a struggle. Um, but, you know, But we have a sense of the something worthwhile, an aspiration, a commitment, something we want to do. So we learn that particular uh, capacity of mind, the ability to have long-term goals, long-term benefits that may be actually in the short term a bit of work. And we learn that capacity, long-term visions. Uh, and we also learn the ability to, to uh, the energy we have to, to celebrate, to enjoy, to receive results, to be receptive. And these are the kind of things that you establish, you one establishes, not just as ideas, but as experiences. So that uh, through this whole process, we've got a f pretty flexible Sankara pack, you've got the, the, the activities, the formations, the activations of your body-mind have got kinds of flexes, it's not just doing one thing, they're not just doggedly drumming away at something, they're not just doggedly sticking down on something, they're not, they're not uh, uh, um, judgmental, they are inclining towards one's well-being, and you cultivate that so that this is the general cultivation that you begin to gather in for meditation. Yeah. As we said right at the beginning, that, that the if we have we look at try to look for one particular factor, there are several rather than 
uh, mindfulness isn't never appears on its own it always appears as far as I can see in a string of other factors in fact one might even say it's not really none of these are really separate they're just all various facets of of uh, of heed of the primary factor which is heedfulness vigilance carefulness um, diligence mm. and this amounts to or one way we can uh, speak about that is that ability we have to to uh, attend which means something in us steps back from what we're doing from the what we're doing or what's happening to us the rolling on of our feelings and emotions from the urges and impulses from the uh, whatever's running through us or whatever we're, we're activated by internally and it says what is this how, how you know steps out and we have that capacity to do that to be attentive to rather than uh, embroiled in or, or making more just going to this shifting gear heedfulness see you know and uh, there's one single factor the Buddha places this is certainly a very important single factor you also might say right view is a very important single factor to recognize that there is uh, a skillfulness that we can sustain and develop a heedfulness paying heed paying attention and this isn't a meditation technique it's uh it's, it's a life technique <laughs> is it you know, it's not it's not a, not a meditation technique it's something to to cultivate so that ideally that heedfulness is there as an ever-present watchfulness carefulness that's going on but to as a suggestion as a, a small um, technique if you like just to, to use that uh, uh, this, this this pausing about five ten seconds use it frequently mm. the end of the meal in the middle of the meal here today you know when we have no particular strong time pressures you sit down breakfast time just pause food's not going to run away you've got it there mm. where am I where's the feeling where's the real direct experience of being present how does that manifest how do I know I'm here at all how do I know I'm not in the dream uh, if you're coming sense of the, the embodied sense so that if you notice the dream sense when you if you ever well, we, we would all dream realize that in the dream sense everything is shifting and changing and uh, there's no no sense of substance in it there's powerful feelings and urges and movements and colors and pictures maybe but there's something is missing it's the embodiment is missing a sense of, of a, like a, 
a steady state somewhere you know the the, the embodied experience so this is why we how we know where this is difference between being asleep and being awake and being awake with a small a that is is we have that ability to change gear you know, the sleep state you know the, the gear stick is just floating drifting just moving along cause you know you can't you can't steer it you just drift it's like being in a boat in a stream just moving along here you have the possibility to change gear you come back to that oh, where am I mm, this is not that difficult and the other question we that we can bring up as we come into that uh, presence is well how am I how am I what's happening what what's what's happening for me what's wh- just what's the overall feeling could be pressure could be driven could be relaxed could be sleepy could be you know just, just where what's the state what's the mind state so we checking in with that and the third question is what, what are we going to do about it what's the response to this many times maybe it's just well pause a little longer see how it unfolds by itself see how it unfolds by itself and now we're Fundamentally, the response that is encouraged is keep referring this experience that you're having to awareness, not to a set of reflexes or reactions, not to a set of should be, ought to be, shouldn't feel this, should feel that, supposed to be doing this, um, what time is it now, and is it time to do that? You know, not to another set of programs and reflexes, but to, to awareness, which is just the receiving that. That's, a, that's the, the piece that we often miss in terms of our organization. We jump to the strategies rather than awareness. That's why you have to pause, give yourself a pause, because a lot of the time we're just going from one program to the next, you know, one reflex, one set of strategies to the next. So what are we going to do? First of all, let's just take it in fully, you know, or is it something that we can, you know, receive with awareness mm. this is where uh, sampajanya is that is that faculty of being fully being fully aware so as as your heedfulness takes ground establishes itself and then you it becomes mindfulness comes you're, you're staying with that you're bearing it in mind you're, you're staying present bearing the body in mind bearing witnessing your thoughts bearing them in mind witnessing your experience bearing it in mind and then sampajanya is well you know how referring this to awareness so we're looking for you know what will come out of that if anything and this is really where uh, the practice is self-educated. Mm. You have various uh, strategies, themes, possibilities, techniques, 
so on and then but you always want to come back to to awareness itself first of all that that bare knowing in the satipatthana sutta which we'll look at tomorrow it says you know just practicing to the point where there is just a bare knowing bare with no um judgments no uh if and should ought no censoring but just just bare knowing of this and so you, you you know this this is the 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 movement to cultivate it takes us through the various levels of the mind down to the core quality of awareness itself mm. And this is probably, you know, it's so easy to look for more things to do, you know, even skillful things to do. You know. But this is the, the first piece to do, referring things to awareness. But Sampajanya, or sometimes uh, pajana, pajanati, as it's expressed. We come to meditation. Then these, this, these two factors, mindfulness and full awareness, are uh, evoked or activated by by ability to uh, direct the mind. So we think something, direct it to, where's your breathing? That's how you establish mindfulness of breathing. It's just that, it's just where is it? Where is it? You know, can you sense it? Uh, it's quite simple. And vichara, that's called vitaka. Vichara means getting fully s- sensing it, exploring it, taking it in, feeling how it is. Yeah. So it's a it's a very it's a, these are very mobile. They take a split second, a second or two. They're not. So we start with meditation. It's not the idea is not to be still. It's to be gently but skillfully active. And the fundamental activity is to keep referring your experience to mindfulness and full awareness. Furthermore, uh, um, in terms of mind cultivation, the Buddha very often recommends and encourages we start with deliberate consideration rather than uh, mindfulness of breathing, for example. Some consideration, deliberate consideration. We consider uh, uh, the example of the Buddha. There is a Buddha. We consider aspect of the teaching. We consider what's for our welfare. We consider what's for the welfare of others. Uh, we consider uh, in line of what's skillful and unskillful. We might very well spend some time considering how we know something is skillful and what, what skillful things have happened today or we've been part of today. What things today have brought around a good result. So that you, you know, just by using this capacity of vitaka to bring things to mind, 
to you know to ask the question what 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 was the skillful what was the good what was the useful what's where's the gratitude where's the happiness where's the sense of fellow feeling you know how those occurred you you use the power of the mind's ability to abstract to bring skillful perceptions and feelings into the citta so the mind begins to acquire a sense of being in a context which feels good being in a situation being in a time span being in a life being in a relationship being in an activity where there are obviously the difficult unpleasant pieces to it but being in something where you can discern and enjoy and appreciate the goodness and feel uplifted by it you know, deliberate thinking it's not not a considerable amount of conceptual stuff but thinking that is slow careful and refers to direct awareness rather than refers to another set of thoughts it's a thought the thoughts that turn back into the heart this is called anusati or mindfulness together with or mindfulness associated with reflecting on experience so you have this whole kind of domain we might say what might seem in some ways from a meditator's point of view to be the introductions the preliminaries to meditation but they're never preliminaries that you think oh well, i've done that you know and i don't need to do that anymore they they are they are like uh you know getting getting the car warmed up you can't start out at 60 miles an hour you you have to start if you don't you know if you did start at 60 miles an hour you probably crash the thing <laughs> And now in meditation we're often doing the opposite. We're trying to take something that's running 120 miles an hour down to zero uh, you know, to make it still. But so it's a, it's a, it's a, the gearing is different. But how to bring around a quality of calm and contentment and inner happiness, how to bring up the enjoyment faculties and make them something that aren't dependent upon further external stimulation but on distilling and harvesting the qualities of one's life mm-hmm. and it's through this that uh, um, foundations deep foundations are laid that are both relevant to one's life and also relevant to how to what can be built upon that to what, what we talk about the samadhi experiences that arise out of that now this is the whole process of wisdom. Wisdom in the Buddha Dhamma is an active quality of, in, of considering, engaging, reflecting, picking up skillful themes, you know, directing oneself towards actions that will give rise to skillful results. And it, and so um, we do these every day, you know. So one today I can consider, for example, that uh, there was a wasp in the in the sangha room around the meal time that was expressing interest in intimate relationship with Sister Damadira, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she was politely indicating that she was not interested. <laughs> so we were kind of 
what not wanting to harm or even disappoint the wasp <laughs> 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 so when it landed on a bunch on some flowers we carefully took the whole pot of flowers outside and put it outside so the wasp could enjoy the flowers then run off oh, that was a pretty good way to spend uh, five or ten minutes you know <laughs> not to be sniffed at the feeling of care attention sensitivity uh you know, not being getting in a flat and panicking or attacking the creature. You know, just a, something like that, which is not that difficult to do. It's not even that you had to be a bhikkhu to do it. <laughs> so, you, you know, you, you can take that and then remember the incident is one thing, but the qualities of mind that arose, those, that's what you're looking for, the qualities of, of, of what mind that arose in that and how you feel, well, you know, every bit of that counts every bit of that where you connected to some deep values some sensitivities some responsiveness and care and attention look at things like that so then our meetings with other people uh, event the things we undertake connecting them to awareness in, and using it as an occasion when we can bring forth the good and enjoy it Then, bear, then mindfulness, we have something indeed worthy to bear in mind. The sign of the theme of the good, the theme of kusala, the theme of the wholesome, the theme of the, uh, that which uplifts the mind. So then uh, the whole experience of meditation I- is already lifted. It's like you've got to establish your, your supportive energies a sense of uplift and uh, and primary goodness, Chan- you know, connect to that channel through things you're doing in the day, and the qualities of of what are called right effort are fundamentally, you know, the crystallization, the cryptic crystallization of, of that, you know, which is that we can recognise uh, there are harmful impulses that we might experience, which wanting to kill wasps and creatures, crawly things, you recognize that impulse and you check it. When you checked it, paused, realized, well that was, you know, to realize that one had that sense of conscience to check and refrain from an unskillful impulse. We have, uh, and then you sustain that, you have that awareness of, you know, killing creatures is not good. And you you are mindful of that, you bear that in mind, so you protect that value. We have uh, the recognition of there are qualities that are good and that we can encourage, we can bring up a sense of generosity, a sense of care and concern, very uh, common human themes to look after our friends, relatives and so forth. And then developing it and then extending it. So looking after a wider and wider and ever widering sphere. That must be one of our primary uh, aspirations and resolves. Can I find a way to widen the sphere of beings who I can spread goodwill towards? Not just as an idea, but as an action. So, you know, even people you meet casually, can you at least bear them in mind in a benevolent way? To widen that possibility. People you disagree with, can you at least allow them that the, uh, the recognize well they have a 
they have their views and are not going to get averse or conflicting around that. So it's widening that sphere and then sustaining that value, being mindful of that value, the benevolence, the goodwill and the benefits of it and sustaining it. Then you look at things like, um, you know, what we take in. So uh, food, substances, enjoyment experiences, television, media, cigarettes, alcohol, coffee, tea, you know, what's skillful, what's good to take in? Recognizing that uh, the the fundamental and at first rather disappointing um, realization is not I have this, not everything that I like is good for me. <laughs> so, so my sense appetites have to, you know, for my own welfare, have to be moderated. I didn't like that idea. Why can't everything I like be good for me? <laughs> and it isn't. Yeah, so the sense appetites are not that wise. So refraining, restraining is something that has to be done. Can it be done in a way that's not just uh, negative, uh, brutal, but, but kindly? You know, like we're just guarding ourselves, guarding ourselves from the, the poisons of, of greed or of obsessiveness or of addiction or of uh, um, phobias, guarding ourselves from, from obsessive behavior, recognizing that this is a possibility for every one of us who has a, who has a mind. Can we sustain that so we're on the lookout what we need to guard ourselves from, protect ourselves from. So you keep your keep your wisdom faculties awake all the time. You know, so that that quality of right effort is not necessarily a kind of uh, brute or repressive. It's a continual gearing of attention. Yeah, attention, and. One of the great knowledges, the three great knowledges the Buddha have had in his night of awakening, the second knowledge was the nature of good and evil. So these are not just social judgments. These are not just righteous moralizing indictments. There, there are such things that are energies that are supportive, lead towards brightness, happiness, increase one's potential, increase one's capacity, liberate one's mind, to, to further and deeper enjoyment, this is what we call the good. Yeah. And the bad or the evil, the ones that limit, cripple us, re, re, uh, restrict our possibilities, restrict our potential, uh, lead us to places of, of regret, darkness, negativity. Those are not just moralizing judgments. There are those. And the, 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 so when the Buddha's this is the Buddha's second great realization. Now, these are not just social conventions. There are, these are energies. These are real experiences that we have, whether we're in a society or not. <laughs> They're not just kind of, uh, you know, indictments from some moral authority. And we need to know them. So you refer them to, to awareness rather than to some rule book even. 
mean, rule books have their uses, give you some tips and some reminders of to things to wake up to, but you've got to be much more, wisdom is, is much more direct than that. You have to know it for yourself. Notice when the Buddha says, <coughs> what, is one wise, what is inappropriate on wise attention, one attends to topics that when one attends to them, unskillful states arise. He doesn't say, you know, reading newspapers is bad for you, or you should never do it. He just says, you notice for yourself what the results are. Your mind feels, takes you to a skillful place, good, do it, you know. Um, but for, as, a, as a basic guideline, he's saying, well, you know, that if you five precepts is about it, really, in terms of, of something you can really rely upon and uh, as, a, as, a, as a foundation. And then you look more clearly at what is the wider ramifications of intoxication. When do we get intoxicated with, with not just with drink and drugs, but with other things? When do we, what is it that leads us to heedlessness? That's the fifth, that's the, the fifth precept, isn't it? To refrain from substances that lead to, he, uh, that lead to heedlessness. Hmm? Lead to carelessness. We get intoxicated, I imagine, with many things, including sometimes ideas. Hmm. So you, you you know you're looking keeping that that wisdom eye around how do you need to apply yourself, and if we do this skillfully as a constant thing, then there's a huge backlog of of effort that we have to make for meditation because you've established something where you're already feeling more continually uh, good in yourself, free from tension, free from oppression, uh, steady, calm. You know, not not overworked, which is the speech precept. Look at that, uh, and there we're here we have this precept, which is Musawada. Actually, there are again there are the four bases of that, which is uh, deception, lying, exaggeration, saying things that are not factual with the intention to you know, be factual, realize that quite a lot that goes on. Uh, it's often exaggeration or being partial with the truth, mm. pointing out certain pieces, uh, inflammatory articles, writing things down in inflammatory ways, inflammatory blogs, there's quite a lot of inflammatory blogs which present some scraps of facts and tie them together it, with a deliberate intention to arouse irritation anger or uh, blaming, you know, oh, this is really, mus- this is <laughs> you know, so you, you really look at these things, you can see how right speech is, is, a, is itself a very deep cultivation of mind. What will tend to happen is we speak in accordance with our view rather than accordance with reality with veracity, we speak according to our view. I, dis- I feel that so-and-so, so-and-so is a bad person, therefore I'll describe all the things that are wrong with him, rather than just have an open space and say, well, he does this good, and he does this bad, this I don't understand, and a lot of it I don't know. Mm. So, so, you know, just speaking from veracity rather than a pre-established view. Um, 
referring to the quality of one's awareness. What's the, what's, the, what's the motivation there? What are we trying to do with our speech? Are we trying to just report things or distort things or persuade other people of something? Being careful about that. What we encourage, what we're trying to persuade people of. You know, we're already going to start to tint and slant the truth. And of course, it's, 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 uh, to cultivate right speech is a profound thing because a lot of the time we talk to people, we do so in order to persuade them. <laughs> you know, what, unless I'm doing that now. <laughs> so you're just trying to point out what you've, what you've sensed or seen as true, present it, Leave it up to other people. Mm. Another form of wrong speech is our uh, gossip. As we wanted the, the fascination we have with taking the unfortunate pieces of a person's behavior and making a lot of it. It's one of the signs of a, somebody said that Buddha says that signs of a noble, ignoble person is they make a lot of other people's faults. They like to, they delight in it. They, they spread it around. They get some kind of pleasure out of spreading around the, the shortcomings of others. Whereas a noble person, if they have to s- describe the shortcomings, well, they do sparingly. Like, well, you know, and because it's necessary to, to, to protect others. They're just checking, checking those habits. We're referring to the awareness of what's behind your speech. Another precept, speech precept, cursing, uh, harsh, abusive speech, rough speech, you idiot, you twit, get out of my sight, you know, calling people names, harsh, abusive speech, speech that looks down on people, speech that patronizes people, speech that belittles other people, stereotyping, according to nationality or gender or physical appearances. Another kind of right speech is um, just passing the time, filling up the, filling up the silence with one's nervous energy, babble, just babbling away. What are we trying to do when we speak? You know, the honoring, the respect for another person's mind and attention. So it's something like that. You see how much of your vitaka vichara, your sent, your directing, your assessing, your feeling out, how am I with this? What's the effect of this? How is it affecting other people? Are being activated. Your wisdom faculty is being kept in running good order. So that when you come to meditate, you can, in fact, more or less let the programs run because you've established them. There's not a big effort to suddenly start doing a whole lot of things. You just start not doing very much. You sit still because there's nothing much to do. You sit still. Um, and you let the programs you've established you know, do their work on this rather more um, uh, simpler or more isolated domain of the, of the sitting body. This is how you cultivate uh, sati sampajanya, wisdom, full awareness. 
full awareness becomes possible because you have established the clarity to be able to be fully aware. There's no having to wince. There's no shrinking away from truth. Uh, you don't have to be defending yourself. In the sense of the truthfulness becomes your primary, your quality of truthfulness and moral sensitivity and goodwill becomes your primary uh, agent to allow you to be fully aware. If you can't, if you, if that isn't established, it's very difficult to be fully aware because there's so many no-go areas, places of regret, places where one's mind wants to look the other way, stuff that comes running up, rolling up. So wisdom is a daily life practice. Mindfulness and full awareness are a daily life practice. Mm. Wise reflection is a daily life practice. Assessing what to give one's attention to. So I'll offer this for your reflection. Um, this evening we've been asked to dedicate this evening's chanting and uh, to Liz who couldn't come on the retreat and she has flown to Australia to be with her sister who passed away last Sunday. So dedicating the evening chanting, I think just dedicating some few moments of our minds would be perhaps more uh, richer, fuller way to, to do that. And we'll chant the discourse, Buddha's words on loving-kindness, um, bearing this theme in mind and spreading it near and far to oneself and to others, the sense of tenderness, concern and uh, goodwill. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud and demanding in nature, let them not do the slightest things that the wise would later reprove, wishing in gladness and in safety may all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, 
those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease, let none deceive another, or despise any being in any state, let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another, even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child, with a boundless heart, should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, free from hatred and ill will, whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding, by not holding to false views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Disciple, who have practiced well.